You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. My time is yours. I was the last man standing. I am the man, and the man feels no pressure. You are facing a fuel-injected suicide machine. Fear from the man that rules the world. And we are back with the Vicious Circle. Sid, you and I have talked many times about one of your favorite stations, Viceland, and uh, they have a show, Dark Side of the Ring, all right? We, we talked about the Benoit episode once. Right. Yes. Uh, we, have a, we have a guest today who actually does work on the show. Uh, his name right. is Steve Kassan. Steve, how you doing? Doing good, Rob. It's been a while since uh, we talked. Uh, we, well, we talked on Facebook, but that doesn't count. It's about talking like this, right? Like hearing your voice, hearing my voice. Exactly. Face to face. That's why Skype is nice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Won't you guys hold hands and kiss? So, Sid, we thought this was the best guy to bring on to talk about this show because it, it delves into a lot of dark areas of wrestling. Right. How many of the shows have you seen, Sid? I think I've seen every one of them. Uh, as far as I've seen all Dark Side of the Ring, and I've seen almost every show on Viceland. You know, uh, some of my favorites. My favorite right now is probably Hate That Neighbor. I love Jamali. He is funny. He's uh, he's also uh, like one of those ones where he was going to the white supremacist. He actually really started liking that guy before the end of the show. He admitted to that, too. Because the guy himself is a pretty good guy, just his beliefs were bad, you know. And then he was he would uh, did a show with um, Sovereign Citizens. I almost I swear it's almost make you cry. He they fell in love the two him and the guy that was a Sovereign Citizen, you know. But it was just really I don't know if they accidentally fall into some of that great um, the spots fall into place like they do for. I know that that all can't be a work. It's too one on one and too. Uh, um, you can tell it's it's pretty emotional. It's real, but no, it's a. I like. I love Viceland. So now, which of the shows that you've seen so far from Dark Side of the Ring? Which ones have stood out to you? Well, I think uh, the first one, Bruiser Brody, because that was one we all knew about. I told you, Rob, I was being groomed to take Bruiser Brody's place in Japan. So I, and I got to meet the cousin, the nephew of the guy who stabbed Bruiser Brody. So that was all. Weird for me to see that show. Then I really liked the Von Erics. I thought that was a really good one. I thought going into this, that would be their best show. Uh, then I thought the Ben Wall story would be a close second or third show. Um, but I, I've, but I've seen them all. And uh, Steve, I have to ask, how did you get involved in Dark Side of the Ring? Well, uh, the way that Dark Side of the Ring works is that it's uh, produced by Evan. Husney and also directed by Jason Eisner, who, if you know, uh, directed Hobo with a Shotgun. So the pilot is what Sid said is, uh, is the Bruiser, Bruiser, uh, Bruiser Brody episode. That's the one where they made and they want to show, show it off to Vice. Like, no, look, this, this can work. 
because yeah, it's about wrestling, but it's a docu series. It's a documentary series about a tragedy that unfortunately happened. So filming that, and they put a casting call in uh, in Toronto. The way it works is that they do all the in-house interviews at everyone's places. Like they would go into Abdullah the Butcher's uh, place to do his interviews and everything like that. So, but all the reenactments for the series which you watch, they're all done in Toronto, in a studio. So by putting out a casting call to play these characters, I saw that because I'm a big wrestling fan uh, all through my life, and it is surreal talking to Sid right now, <laughs> but because of that, uh, I saw this casting call. It's like, okay, how do I get on this? So I just messaged the casting director, and I said, hey, I'm a big wrestling fan. I know I don't fit the bill for any of these characters, like any of the main characters in this particular story for Bruiser Brody, but... Is there a way I can play some, say, uh, background wrestlers or maybe other wrestlers who are part of it and everything like that? And I got contacted back saying, yeah, actually, we do need people to play background uh, characters and such. So that's how I got on the first time for the pilot. Then being on set, like a lot of things happen when you get on set and then you can meet people, you can meet everyone, have good connections. Like once you get in, it's kind of like when you get to the locker room, you got to make good with everybody. And I did. And then I was brought into the other episodes. So for season one, I'm in the Bruiser Brody episode of Von Erics and Gino Hernandez. And I believe I'm in all the episodes for season two. And uh, yeah, going on. Nice. Yeah, that's nice, man. Good spot. So Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's cool. It's really cool. It's, it's, it's also surreal, too, uh, doing these reenactments. Uh, as you mentioned, the Benoit episode, uh, I play any... Uh, not none of the other wrestlers, but I play some of the uh, security guards or cops or EMTs or anything that's not a wrestler because they do match up. They do find guys and do find like uh, actual workers, like indie workers in Toronto to match up. Uh, like, for instance, for Benoit, they got Tyson Dukes and he matched up so well. Like he practically based his entire career off Benoit, like his and his look and everything. And I don't know how he must feel like playing Benoit, right? So they do match up guys, and when you watch the show, you notice that the reenactments are all blurry because, yeah, you do find they do find people, and makeup can do so much. But if you hide the features and everything, you get you get an exact uh, replica in a way. But also, it has a surreal theater style to it to play up to you know like with pro wrestling being like sports theater in a way, and also telling these stories it has that. You also play with the lighting and everything to give that sort of mood and attention, right? It almost like lifts up the reenactments to a bit. And that was the idea that Jason and Evan kind of went to. Like this, it's almost like surreal theater feel to it. So given that, like I play some of these other characters. And with the Benoit one, uh, I played the cop who actually consoled uh, young David and told him that um, your, your father passed away. And if you notice that episode, there's this harsh blue lighting to give that somber and really, uh, it's just, it's just, now I'm thinking back about that scene, it's, it's really give that really sad tone to it. But that's mm -hmm. how, like, it, but that's, it's like with the TV show, right? Like all these docudramas, it plays up to the emotion. And given the actual interview with David and combined with the reenactment, it really brings your emotion on because the ultimate tragedy is that, you have a kid without his son, without his father, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. So, so if uh, I know, like Rob knows my uh, knows my look and my physical structure. So if you know how I look, you'll notice me and everything like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. Well, you don't look like Savio Vega from the neck up. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But uh, uh, lighting and uh, costumes do a big thing. <laughs> I bet, man. Yeah. We did a, a short film with our company called The Shelter, and it's about a bunch of people trapped in a room. He was the buffest guy trapped in a room for a billion years, but he was still built. That you can't hide his frame. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes you can't hide it, but <laughs> but, but it, it works out like playing these wrestlers, playing like some of the wrestlers in the locker room just to fill up space and everything. I think that's amazing because I do love the series so far. Like we, like Sid mentioned before too, like there's a little bit of inaccuracies, but you're trying to get the main story out. And I wonder if that's sometimes why they might gloss over things. Yeah, like, um, like for instance, me, uh, like being an actor in Toronto, I've also done other docu series and docu dramas as well. That's shot here that that might appear on, like, say, um, See No Evil or Paranormal or something or whatnot, right? And there's only a certain amount depending on like how long the episodes are like if it's a half hour then it, you're really filming for 20 minutes because you have to add in commercials if you're filming for a full hour then you only have like 45 or 50 minutes so with dark side of the ring since it's an hour long well you only have roughly like 45 or maybe 44 minutes of footage you got to give okay so what and that's the that's the sad part because a wrestler's life starts can be over 20 years, right? And there's so much in there. Like, what are the primary details? And the the thing about the Benoit one was that that was given a two hour episode. That was a two hour well, episode. Well, not to cut you that should that should be called Benoit and Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, yeah. It was really about both guys' lives, which were good. I knew both of them, and I think I knew Eddie just a little bit. Well, I knew him about the same amount of time, mm-hmm. but um, both of them really good guys. Just um, yeah. one thing bothered me that one about Eddie. Well, his wife said, you know, said, left him there and said, yeah, I said, I hope he dies peacefully or something, you know, not something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. That just bothered me that they, he'd OD two or three times and they were just going to walk out and leave him like that. You know, I don't know. Well, that's the thing yeah. with the docuseries, too. You, you do discover these things that are happening, you know, and it's really dark right. and you just can't imagine it actually happening. Right. Like, and, uh. But it's, but also like with the docu series, like not also you're telling a story, but you also, unfortunately, you're also like providing entertainment. Right, and, right. And, right. The, and the other aspect is that because it's done so well, like for like a lot of wrestling fans came to watch it, but also you got to think like, okay, how do we attract non wrestling fans? Right. That's the other thing too. It's like say someone who doesn't know anything about Benoit or doesn't know anything about wrestling. Okay, what, what do we, how do we present the story? Because at the end of the day, it's 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 a documentary, and right. with the documentary, the, no matter how you present it, anything can be interesting. You can make well, a documentary think, about like someone going to the store every day, but as long as you do it in an interesting way, right. that's appealing, right? I think you're in a nice way trying to say it's all right to come out with some inaccuracies about, say, a wrestler's life because they're phonies, as long as we can give you a struggling actor a, a part-time gig. that that did have that ring to it (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly so listen okay uh fuck off (laughs) welcome Uh, to uh, internet sid internet sid just showed up for a flash yeah yeah he creeps up every once in a while (laughs) okay 
Yeah, that's a good way to put yourself over. Like, give me another spot on the show. <laughs> no matter whose dead bodies I step on on the way to the show. Uh, and that's what he's probably doing every time he gets a call in for a casting call. It's like, who dead body I'm stepping on today? Where's the script? Let me see. I want to know. <laughs> person. That's what's weird because uh, Chris was Canadian. But yeah. you weren't on his show, thank God. You were just burying Savio Vega. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's really, you did a big, a big, you took a big chance to be in Savio Vega, you know? You don't want to be that guy. Oh, oh what he, just... no, he was the promoter in Puerto Rico. And I was the WWF champ at the time. On my Christmas holiday, I went over to work with him on a few shows because they paid me pretty good. But he paid me in $5 bills. What? Yeah. Uh... That's like paying your hydro bill in pennies. That's just I evil. Swear, <laughs> I was like, friggin' kidding me? <laughs> Makes you wonder where what you got the fives for. Like, what what would you have a stack of fives for? It's like I had to take all that to the house. It was like three, four days of you know. And of course, you being the champ, they're going to pay you pretty good. I can't remember what a Puerto Rican wage. My goodness. <laughs> so now back to the show. I know there's an interesting one coming out this week. Um, and it's all about David Schultz. Yeah. Yeah. What do you remember of that period, Sid? I remember it was like, I thought we all heard it was Gerardo Rivera, but it's not. It's the guy that they're showing on there. Uh, but you know, the guy went up to ask him, is the business fake? And he slapped the guy. Supposedly the guy lost a little bit of his hearing permanently. <clears throat> now this is the thing is I, I go to dark side of the ring. You would have thought that that might've been one of your beginning episodes. And save the Benoit thing, or uh, I'm sure they're, they're saving no one heart to last. Um, but, you know, yeah. save, the good, save the better ones for last, you know. Mm-hmm. I would have put the uh, Dino Bravo, you know, up there in the beginning. I would have put, put the, uh, um, I love Fabulous Moolah, but I'd put her, the, leave her in the beginning. You know, save those good ones for the end one, you know. Mm-hmm. David Schultz is a good one, but what are you going to, I mean, so many people did that already, slap people for saying the business was fake, you know? Well, this one, this one's David Schultz. The next one says Herb Albert and UWF. Then there's an episode on the Road Warriors. And then finally there's one about Owen Hart. And that does look like it's the season finale. Yeah. Now, the Road Warriors were a good tag team, but I think mean, they were pretty boring. They should have been up there in the beginning too somewhere. But uh, I would have had the Ben Wild right there before Owen, maybe... Um, of course, I still think, of course, this is last season. Uh, I would have uh, Killer Brosey around the end, you know, the, towards the end, let the, some of the weaker ones been first, and the Von Erich's last, and then Bridger Brody right before that. Well, see, and that's the thing, too, with marketing, just like Steve was saying, when you have to play to the audience, you can't have a weak one come out first. Because if it's right. too weak, then people aren't going to tune in for number two. Right. So I think maybe that's why they led with Benoit this season. Just a grab. Yeah, coming off strong from the first season and all the buzz and everything like that. So okay. Hobby. Well, that's all. They, that's what I'm saying. They they yeah. took their main event and went first with it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you're not going to top, you know, a, a guy strangling his wife and kid, okay? And it's, I love. I mean, Owen's story is just not bigger than that. And it's it's interesting too because honestly, and I think I told both of you before the Benoit thing. I thought that. Dark Side of the Ring was a one-shot, a two-part series on Benoit. I did not realize it was a series until that one came out. Right. So, 
I think it's drawing more attention too, which obviously yeah. it did its job because now I'm hooked into it. Yeah. And they do a great job on the show. So now um, there was another one I wanted to ask about. Oh, actually, it, it was just the one uh, looks like previous uh, about about Jimmy Snuka. Um, that was early '80s or late '80s, wasn't it? So I don't think you were around yet, were you, Sid? No, I wasn't. Okay. What did you think of that episode, Steve? Uh, I remember filming. I remember uh, like being on set filming it, and uh, just listening to the story. And also seeing the interviews with Sam Fatu and I mean Tonga Kid and like and the whole thing and uh, it's just it's just um, again uh, being a wrestling fan uh, doing these episodes are <laughs> quite surreal as I mentioned and they're also very weird because not only because I grew up watching these guys but then you hear these stories and everything and. <clears throat> It's it's insane, and like also with the Dino Bravo Bravo episode, I had no idea that after he was done with WWF, that he was part of the mob, like the Montreal mob, Mafia and everything. And this that's that was weird, weirded me out as like completely. Like I, we saw like a, a photo of him as in his enforcer getup. It's like this this is what happened and everything like that, and it's still an ongoing case, right? Like case is open. It's not close. Like, that's why they have the tip line at the end of the episode. Oh. And, yeah. Yeah, I'd so, heard it. It's still never been solved. <clears throat> and the thing about the Jimmy Snooker one is like, uh, did he or didn't he? Like, well, who's to say? Like, no one's there. We're hearing, we're hearing all these like conflicting stories and everything like that. And there's there's a one part where it's like uh, when they had the, the funeral for Nancy and then part was where when you hear from there, from the family side, where the Undertaker had to come to the stepfather and say, like, we had to do a lot of work because we saw these marks and everything on Nancy. We had to cover it up and the strangle marks. Like, oh my gosh. And then, but this is Superfly, right? Like, <laughs> there's a guy who uh, uh, was an influence uh, Mick Foley to be a wrestler from from diving off the cage and everything. Like, so, oh, Mick shouldn't blame uh, Jimmy for that. <laughs> yeah, His, yeah uh, definitely. <laughs> should take blame that for himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was him that made himself do that. Yeah, yeah, man. Now, you know what's funny about that story, guys? I never heard that story my whole time in the business. And then one of the times I worked for the Insane Clown Posse, my son, not that it would be a big deal, rode with Jimmy to a show one night there for the cl- uh, clowns. You know, if I had known that, I would have had my kid in the car with him. Oh yeah, you, that's right too. I remember I was talking about it. You hadn't heard that story at all. No, I had never heard that. You know, so it's weird that I never heard that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like it's all. Um, it's it, it it changes your view on like how you watch it, but then again, it's like again these are all docu series, and some of these stories are like are like trying to like dive deep into an investigation. Like, and that's the one thing about I have to say like. I have to give credit to how they set the series up. It's like each episode is even it is all a documentary series, but there's a theme to it. There's an investigative journalistic theme to all these stories. Like for instance, Dino Bravo became a a true crime story, right? Right. Yeah. With uh, with, with the mafia involved and everything like that, and it's it, it's that's the that's the heart of these stories is that we're looking at a like investigative journalistic view into wrestling stories, 
and wrestling like no matter like forget about what the outside perception is this is an actual thing with actual people actual lives and how wrestling really affects like all these all these uh, people all these workers and their families and everything like that and that's and that's the one thing that the series holds up is that wrestling it holds wrestling to a high regard and it holds like all you guys that what you've did over the years and really and all these stories like they bring it brings it to light there's it doesn't put down the industry put down the business and whatnot it takes it very seriously and that's the one thing as a wrestling fan i love because prior to this you know like even it's like all these like from outside who are not into wrestling or even like i remember my friends would say oh steve you watch nitro you watch raw it's like so you're watching wrestling again say like, yeah like i like wrestling like it's 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 great and this series shows like how much of an impact wrestling is is to pop culture and also in the past like how many years so that's the one thing i would say like with dark side of the ring yeah there may be inaccuracies or there may be this or they may be they may be that but the one thing that this series does is that it brings legitimacy to like what this profession is no it does it's, it does a lot of good things it really does i love the show i love the station i just wish it was um um just maybe a little more light on what the truth was or or maybe dug a little deeper to see what caused, caused Chris not to want to answer that phone and, and not, not to show up to that show. I'll leave it at that right there. Um, you know, I, I, we all heard the beginning when this very first happened, um, what it was, he was scared he was going there to get fired. Okay, and it was a, like a, it was sort of a deal how they laid it out. If once you got off Raw, they took you to SmackDown, they, went, they took you and put you on that show that Chris was going to, they were going to give you a notice. And Chris is. And I was there, guys, for three tryouts when he tried out for the WWF. He was told for three times he wasn't good enough. Went to WCW, got a start there, and then he made the mistakes, got with Nancy, et cetera, et cetera. Started a union, got fired. He goes to a place that's his last opportunity. He knows he's going to get fired there. Now he's stuck with all the things he doesn't want. A house he can't afford, a wife and kid he can't take care of, and he's at the end of his rope, literally. You yeah. know, I think to me that in my opinion, that's more of the truth. You know, CTEs had a lot to do with it. I'm not saying it didn't, but depression probably was the larger uh, ingredient to, for that whole thing to blow up like it did. Well, the one thing I've learned too is especially when there's head injuries, it can exaggerate any emotions or feelings you might have. So right. if, if you're feeling depressed, you are now feeling super depressed. If you're happy, you're right. super happy. So again, that may have just have accented what was already there. No, it's just I like for uh, all the guys, if somehow we put a stop to this. Now, it's, now his, this deal here, guys, and we all know this is way above and beyond the average norm of these all these deaths, Rob, you and I have talked about, and all the deaths that the Dark Side of the Ring has talked about. And will probably the the tragic things that happened, because this is way out there. But how did you know? Like, how did that girl get to a Jimmy Snuka? You know, why would Jimmy do something like that? You know what I mean? Um, this where maybe this doesn't happen to someone else, or this doesn't happen to another wrestler. That you know, uh, and of course, I'm sure they're going to be able to. I don't know how they'll come up with some of the stories because so many of these guys are already dead. But again, it's just how can we get the story out there? To, maybe to stop a few of these 
accidents, you know? Yeah. It seems like uh, a great idea. I think, though, if you were going to do that, the Benoit story would be like a six-part story if they wanted to get right. all the facts in. And that, that is a lot but of no, investment. No, you're right, Rob. That's the thing is, is uh, no, again, them doing this show puts light on it. So that's a positive. Yes. You know what I mean? So it allows other people to bring up questions. You know what I mean? Then it's like, I hope the one thing that will come up in people's minds go, again, how do we not let this happen to another wrestler or to another uh, woman, female in the wrestling business? You know, yeah. Let's definitely don't set it up to happen. Let's don't go fire, and if, if this is true, that we fire Rusa and keep his wife. You know, <laughs> don't purposely set these things up for them to happen again. Exactly. Now, you Sid, kind of just realized, right now we have an in onto Dark Side of the Ring, you know, with Steve sitting right there. So yeah. if you were going to pick a topic for an episode of Dark Side of the Ring, what would your topic be? What story out there do you think they should be telling? You're talking about me, Rob? Oh, oh yeah. You know what? Honestly, I think they, um, I think they do, do a series. Uh, of course, it take a lot of investigating work. Like, say, for instance, if we can, you know, and we'll, how if we could find out the lead up to some of the deaths that were really tragic were uh, just like Eddie Guerrero's. How did it come to the beat where he was found in the floor of the bathroom? You know what I mean? That's what I want to know. How did he get to that bathroom? You know what I mean? Not that you found him, you've, you know, tell him how much you miss him, but how did he really get there? How can we stop that? So those would be some of the type of episodes I'd want to do on what really got that person right there? You know, what did really get Chris right there? Well, what did it get the Von, all five Von Erics? We know the one kid died from electrocution, but how did all those young guys get in that position? Now, I got a personal story about Kerry where right before he, uh, that happened to him, we were road WWF, and I'm trying to talk him into um, riding with me, and I could help him get off some of these things he was doing. Um, of course, um, how do we stop those things? What was that guy's last minute before he was dying what was the miss elizabeth's last couple of days like you know what i mean what how'd she get in that position of overdosing and dying in someone's bed you know those are those are the kind of stories i'd like to hear well we have we had talked about that sid too about the fact that wrestling has the highest rate of young age death even right. more so than football right so you're right. Finding out what puts people in those positions, to me, would be of utmost importance. Well, and I don't like saying this, but I will, um, just to get the point across. I remember Louis Spigoli was called Rad Rafford. Great kid, great guy. I'll never forget the last time I saw him. It was me, him, and Owen in Detroit. And Owen always had a, uh, a wrestling fan to always get him. Uh, it was a cheap limo, but it would always be a limo. So one night... Owen asked me if I'd ride with him, and I said, sure. And if I wanted to ride, and I said, sure. I don't have to drive alone to the show that night. And uh, Louis comes up to me and says, you know, see, last night I took 21 pills, and night for that, 19, and 20. And I said, well, tonight, Louis, you'll do 21, and we had three days off. I said, you'll get your three days off, and you'll go home, and you'll work yourself up to 25 pills, and then you'll die in your sleep. And that's what happened. Um, just, again, how did that happen? You know, I saw it. But guys, this is what happens. I've told Rob this, Steve. When you have to put blinders on and come to work the next day and knowing that Luis Pagoli's not there anymore, without an answer why? I mean, 
You don't think it affected me down the road after that finally caught up with me? Not just his, but all the other deaths that go right there with Louie. Like Kurt Henning, Bam Bam Bigelow. It just goes on and on and on. You know, it's like, how could we stop some of those? You know, I'd like to just stop one Eddie Guerrero from being in a bathroom dead by himself in a hotel room. Yeah. Or, you know, Kurt Henning, his last day in a hotel bedroom, you know, just how can we stop that? Well, and again, that's like you said, too. This is why I like this show, because it does put a spotlight on some of this stuff. So it makes you want to dig in and research, you know? Well, I'm sure they've thought about this. Absolutely. Steve, what would your ideal episode be if you could pick one story? And yeah, uh, saying the Sid Vicious story might get you brownie points. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was going to say but I don't know. I, I think because um, some of the main stories now, like uh, again, it's like how many stories do you know and how many stories do you hear that are actual truth and everything? Right. But I think um, since you're focusing a lot of like North American wrestlers and everything stateside, I would... <laughs> If they're given a season three order, I would love to see a story like maybe um, about, a, say, some of the promotions in Japan or something like that. Like something outside of the States or outside of like our regions. Like bring, bring a light like some stories from, the, say, like New Japan or something like that, FMW, something. Well, yeah, because. Yeah. Go ahead, Sid. I can see you, you waiting to talk there. Go ahead. Wow, what a bum response. <laughs> well, they did do they did do one about Japan. The Von Erich died over there, and then um, then uh, Bruiser Brody died in Puerto Rico. So you're right about that would be a, a good way of uh, putting things, but uh, give us another answer, Steve. you got to have a better answer than that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, Come uh, on. Uh, no pressure. Uh, sh- should I mention the... You're, you're in the damn locker room with this show. <laughs> <laughs> But he only gets told so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the Man, thing too. A big wrestling fan. Well, definitely a story about uh, about Sid. No, Sid <laughs> yeah. no. There's a lot of this. The thing is, guys, they're going to run out of the good stories. That's why I was saying, why not leave a Von Erich story for the last of one season, an Owen Hart story for the last, a Benoit last of one season. You know, of course, like you said, they're trying to get the seasons to get picked back up. You know. Yeah, they got to pepper it in. Steve, who runs who runs Viceland? Spike. Oh, that uh, that uh, I I really don't know. <laughs> to be honest, I'm not that in. <laughs> it's not. You can't even pick up the damn remote, turn on the station, go. <laughs> this man. Don't you have a fancy phone, Steve? <laughs> oh man, look what. Who's Spike Jones? <laughs> I think it's Jones is one of the head guys, uh, and then this guy that does a this new show about the coronavirus, uh, Shane Smith. I think he's yeah. one of the, he, he said he's a co-founder of it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so now we know who we got to talk to. All right. Before yes. we wrap this up, I just got to know, Steve, do you still remember the first match you ever saw of SIDS? Yeah, it was with Sting in, uh, for, uh, was it, uh, in, uh, Halloween? No, not Halloween Havoc. Uh, it was one, the shy, is it the shy town? Uh, but yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, it was in Chicago. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, yeah, that was Epic. the one. I remember that one. Yeah, that, the first time I saw you, Sid, was going against Sting in the, in Chicago. See that was, was that was that live or pay per view? That was the pay per view one. Yeah, because yeah. uh, I had to get the I had to get the tape 
remember me winning that? You remember me winning the belt momentarily? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that was my, that was the match I told you about. Yep, I remember that one. <laughs> Held it briefly. The, the made, main big spot I remember was like uh, you were in the ring and Sting ran on the ramp and he did a a diving salt onto you into the ring or something like that. But and it was uh, and you were with the Horseman at the time, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. That was the first match I ever saw you. And I thought, like, oh my gosh, who is this guy? Who is this? <laughs> like, this is like a like a living comic book come to life. Like you and Sting. Like, yeah. like no, I had some great amazing. times with Sting, man. Some great matches. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, I think on that note, we'll get to our question. My time is yours. And it is now time for another question. Now, this one comes from a doctor, apparently, Doctor Stevel, who is at the uh, relay station in Parts Unknown. Uh, doctor. Uh, yeah, hello. Do you have a question? I do, I do. Um, Sid Vicious, I mean, oh my gosh, he is such a huge person. I would see. I would like to see if I could employ you as one of my, actually my main bodyguard, henchmen. A lot of people here like to pick on me. They pick on you? They pick on you. Well. Sure, Dr. Steve. It sounds like a good job for me. What do you, you know, you have to break some legs and, you know, sometimes kick puppies and whatnot. It's, you know. Kick puppies. As long as puppies and women and children, I'm in for it. <laughs> 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 this sounds perfect. Oh Excellent. Well, now I can start, you know, trying to correct people now, on now Facebook start, again. Now you can start living a little bit knowing that you got someone to come in and beat up the children for you. That's right. That's right. I know want to do that myself because you know, you know, people tend to be quite evil and judgmental these days. Right. Like, this is the thing is, you know, I can't really fight the bigger women, but the smaller women, I have no problem with. Hey. So the bigger ones, a bit of a challenge. Yeah, I know. That, right. This sounds like a, a match that is going to be very interesting to watch. <laughs> Yeah, let's find, let's, find me, let's find two women out there who want to fight me and Dr. Steve. That sounds like fun to me. <laughs> there we go. It's, it's now a an, challenge. It's now an open challenge. Doc, <laughs> right. Doctor. <laughs> You've been listening to the Vicious Circle Podcast. Your host, Sid Udi. Co-host, J. Robert Bellamy. Additional research by Pete Marsh. The Vicious Circle Podcast was produced by Two Cousin Road Trip Media, a division of JX3 Media Productions. The intro music, Omega Amigo, was by The Shaman. All rights to the podcast are held by Sid Udi.